Good morning, Cross Point Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Do you have your okay? Are you just are you guys just ready to get on the road and enjoy the Fourth of July weekend? I think that's what it is. But thank you guys for being here. My name is Michael. I'm the family pastor here at Cross Point. Pastor David is actually um, with his family. Um, for those of you that may not know, um, his uh, father's been very ill and um, and just uh, declining health, and so. Uh, he's kind of getting to that point, and then, uh, you know, declining health, and then this past weekend on Friday, his uh, father passed away, and so uh, they're actually laying him to rest, and um, just really going through that whole process, and so um, just be in prayer for our pastor, you know, thank you guys for just being in prayer with him over the last couple of weeks and months, and it's been a very challenging thing for him, as you know, he's talked about him a lot from this uh, uh, stage even, and so you know how much he loved the man and adored the man, and so... Um, I talked to him shortly after uh, his dad passed away, and he said that um, it was a peaceful passing, but it was the hardest thing he's ever had to to watch and to experience. And so, um, and so now he's preparing a eulogy for tomorrow, and the services will be tomorrow at uh, ten and eleven, a uh, visitation and the funeral respectively. And so, um, just uh, you know, be in prayer for him. A lot of our staff, even a lot of you guys, are making your way over there to. Um, uh, to Statesboro for that, and we appreciate that, and, and uh, just very thankful um, for your support and your love, but uh, even if you can't come, if you'll just lift him up and lift up his family. So um, today we're going to be finishing up our series uh, under construction, and uh, man, it's been a good one. Have you guys enjoyed this last series? It's been really good. And um, so today we're going to be talking about keeping a heavenly perspective, even as uh, Pastor Jason was sharing with us uh, focusing on the eternal, and um, I think it's a very fitting message under the circumstances. Uh, I know that Pastor David had no idea that you know this might be happening. This message might be doing this, even as uh, Gene uh, he finishes his race and he uh, uh, goes to be with the Lord. But um, but I think it's a very I, I know that God knew, you know, and so I think it's very fitting that we're at this place and we're talking about this and and. Um, you know, I I, um, I heard a preacher say one time, he made a statement, he was kind of overwhelmed with the ap- apathy of his congregation and just with people in general, and he made this statement, he said, I wish that I could take every Christian and dangle them over the pit of hell for 30 seconds. It's kind of scary, right? And uh, yeah, he, he, I think what he was saying was, that if people could get a glimpse of hell, if Christians could get a glimpse of hell, it would change the way that they live. You know, if we could see... Uh, really into that abyss if we could take a look over that precipice and see where our lost ones or where our loved ones are maybe going if they don't know Christ and they leave this life then we would live differently and act differently and and don't get me wrong I agree with that statement but I also think this I would much rather instead of dangling somebody over the pit of hell I would rather fling wide the gates of heaven and allow people to see the gates of heaven to give us a picture of God and in His glory instead of scaring people out of hell, showing people God's glory so that they could respond, so their lives could be changed, so that we could do, so that we could do something different with our lives. Even as uh, Jason was talking about this, this, it comes in stages, right? Sanctification is this amazing process, but the, the cherry on top of the... Uh, uh, the uh, whatever the milkshake yeah there we go Uh, you know is that glorification we get to be with him in heaven and so this morning that's what we're going to be talking about that's what we're going to be focusing on and um you know I, i think it's so important for us to focus on this subject and talk about heaven 
uh, for a lot of reasons, but the probably the most important one is all of us, we get a little too comfortable with this place that we're supposed to be sojourners in. You know, we're supposed to be visitors here. We're supposed to be, the Bible says that we are aliens in this place on this earth. This is a place that we're here for literally a blink of an eye. It just seems like it's over before you know it. We, you know, we talk about how fast our children are growing up and how already it's like, can it be six years already since they've been born? I just, I can't wrap my brain around that. And, and people are like, yeah, well, turn around, blink one more time and they'll be 16, you know, and, and, and all this. And you know, life is just such a fleeting thing, but we spend so much time focused on this life and this world and everything that this world has to offer. We spend so much time consumed with the reality of this world, and yet we don't focus on the future. We don't focus on that eternal future that we're going to be with Christ and be with God in heaven forever. And so that's really, for us, why Revelation chapter 4 Exists, and that's where we're going to be tonight. Revelation 4, and uh, here's the thing about Revelation 4. It's, it's a challenging passage. If you guys are willing to focus with me this morning and really focus on the words that God has in store for us this morning, I think we can get a picture, maybe just a small picture of, of what it's like and allow God to change us through this. You know, the question is, how do we gain a heavenly perspective? Or maybe how do we regain a heavenly perspective? And I believe part of that is by studying God's Word and seeing what God has to say about heaven and the God who created it. You know, the thing about Revelation chapter 4 is that it clarifies for us what heaven is, and it clarifies what heaven is not. It tells us who God is and who He is not. It paints an accurate picture of who God is and, and, and what heaven is. And, you know, the reality is many of us, when we picture heaven and its creator, we don't have, we have a very distorted view. You know, we have a very distorted view of what heaven is. And I think sometimes that distorted view is because of ignorance. And, I, and I'm not calling you ignorant. I just mean we just don't know. We don't know. I had a guy call me up uh, just a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, I got some questions about this. And I don't understand this, and I started reading, it's blowing my mind about heaven, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, let's take a minute, take a breath, you know, it should blow your mind, heaven should blow our mind, it should be something that we should be blown away by, but the reality is we just don't know, and I think one of the reasons we don't know about heaven is because of fear, you know, we're afraid to talk about heaven, we don't want to talk about heaven, because if we talk about heaven, we have to talk about hell, if we talk about hell, we have to talk about death, and we don't like to talk about these things. These things are uncomfortable to talk about, much less to dive into the Word of God and study and learn. But the reality is, if this life is a blink of an eye, we're all going to confront death if the Lord tarries. And so we're going to have to talk about it at some point. We're going to be confronted with the reality of this. And I believe that keeping our eyes on heaven instead of on the things of this earth and preparing for and investing for heaven versus investing in earth I think that's the challenge for us and that's what helps us keep or regain our heavenly perspective you know some of our views are formed out of fear some of our views are formed as a coping mechanism you know, our views on heaven that are that I, I think ultimately are faulted you know we, we we say that our loved ones are looking down on us from heaven the reality is there's really no evidence in scripture that our loved ones are looking down on heaven from us 
for us and with us. I mean, here's the thing. When we look in, in Scripture, uh, every passage that I read about humans in heaven, their focus is solely like a laser focused on the author and perfecter and finisher of their faith, Jesus Christ, and worshiping Him. We'd like to think that they're focused on us, but they're not. They're focused on God. And some of you guys in this room have said that before. You know, some of us, we picture our family members transformed into angels and floating around on clouds and with halos on their heads and looking at us through fluffy windows. Or maybe you picture your cat or your dog waiting patiently for you. Whoa, y'all getting real personal now. That's what we picture, but the reality is when we look into Scripture, God's Word paints for us a very different picture of what heaven is. And it's important for us, if we're going to be Christ followers, if we're going to follow after God with everything that we have, we have to know what God has to say. We have to care what He has to say about heaven and keeping our heavenly perspective. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 4 and starting in verse 1. If you guys will read with me. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven... And the first verse, voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And around the throne were 24 elders, and seated on the throne were 24 uh, excuse me, seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were, seven, were the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, were the four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. Father, we thank you for this amazing and beautiful picture of heaven for us. Father, so many of us, we struggle with apathy. We struggle with keeping a heavenly perspective because we have our eyes on the things of this world, not the things of heaven. So Father, I thank you for revealing to us the truth of heaven this morning, of revealing to us the magnificent beauty and glory that it is and its purpose for us this morning. So Father, I pray as we continue in this time of study of committing ourselves to your word that your spirit will be with us so that we can understand, so that we can commit our lives to you, that we can see heaven and allow it to change the way that we live and change the way that we think and change the way that we act, that we can be sanctified because of a heavenly perspective. And so Father God, we love you. We thank you, and we ask all these things in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. 
So Revelation chapter 4, this is an amazing view of heaven. This is by no means a comprehensive view. Matter of fact, the book of Revelation spends a lot of time talking about heaven. It gets even crazier in, verse, in chapters 19 and, and even 21. If you think this is crazy, keep reading. You know, it's even crazier. And there's a lot of other places all throughout Scripture. God speaks about heaven. Daniel chapter 7 is one of those places. Ezekiel chapter 1, Isaiah 55. And those are big passages that you can read and get a really uh, a big picture of what and there's even smaller places all throughout Scripture that God, God is trying to speak to us about this place. And, and in doing so, even in this passage that we're going to look at this morning, we could take weeks, I think, and really tear this thing apart. But I'm going to take some time this morning just to kind of focus on a few things that I think are really important. And the first thing I want you guys to see here is that the, I want you guys, when we're talking about heaven, I want you guys to see the stability of our sovereign God. I want to read again verses 1 through 3 and also 5 and 6. It says, And after, I after this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what, you must, what must take place after this. And I love this in verse 2. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven. And one seated on the throne, and he who sat there had an appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald. And then in verse 5 it says, And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And so this is what John sees. He's He's uh, speak, he, all of a sudden he's being spoken to by Jesus. We, if we go back and look in Revelation chapter 1, uh, we see that Jesus uh, approaches John. And we have to understand one thing about John. John was considered one of the, the, the friends. He was considered the brother uh, to Jesus. He was a very close friend of Christ. Uh, and and uh, what, one of the things we know is that John uh, reclined on the chest of Jesus during the Lord's Supper. Uh, John was the only disciple that stood at the cross, that stood at the feet of Christ while he was being crucified. All the rest of the disciples fled in fear, but he was there with his mother. He was the one that said, Brother, this is your mother, and mother, this is your son. This is a man who had an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, and then when Jesus Christ appears to him many years later in his true form, uh, the, the Bible describes, Revelation describes it as his hair like fire and his eyes burning like bright and his feet like burnished bronze and he had a tongue like a two-edged sword. And even though this was his good friend, he saw Jesus and what it was his response, he says he fell on the ground like a dead man. He fell on the ground like a dead man. And I believe that as John is being spoken to again by this Jesus who's speaking to him, he said, come up here. And I love these. He said, and at once I was in the Spirit. In other words, at once he got snatched up into heaven and he got to see what some of us only wish we could see. And so we have this amazing picture. And, and I love this. This is really important. Uh, John, he spends most of the book of Revelation using this word like. You know, he's using the word like, or the appearance of. It sounded like, it looked like, it felt like. You know why? Because this is John, a person just like you and I, trying to describe an infinite majesty, an infinite beauty, trying to describe God, trying to describe heaven, trying to describe Jesus, trying to describe the Holy Spirit of God. And so he has no choice but to use these words. And so just understand that as amazing as this description of heaven may be for us this morning, it's still just a picture. It's still just a shadow 
of what we can look forward to in the future. But as he describes our sovereign God, he says, I was at once said the Spirit, and he says, Behold, a throne stood in heaven and one seated on the throne. And we can't miss this, you guys. Sometimes we do this. We read and we just kind of stumble over words and we don't think about it for just a second. But I think it's really important to see here what it says. He says, the one. God our Father is one. There is one God. And it is our Father. And He is the only God that is seated on the throne in heaven. That's a very important thing for us not to forget. Here's the thing. This world, and, and uh, by implication or maybe not so, impl- uh, maybe more explicit, is going to try to tell you that there are many gods. There are many things. There are many ways. But there is only one God. And there is only one throne. And seated on that throne is God the Father. And I love this. He says he was, says he, he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. He says he sat there on the throne. And this is an important thing. This, this, this idea of being seated upon the throne is this picture of he is worthy of honor. All throughout Scripture we see this when, when rabbis would teach in those days. They would not stand up like we do or like professors do or like teachers do. They would actually be seated and all the, uh, the students would stand or, or kneel around them and give honor to this person who was teaching. But this is what a king does, right? He sits on his throne and he receives honor and he receives glory. God is seated on the throne and he is worthy of that. Matter of fact, we can't miss these, this idea of standing and seating. Even the fact that it says the throne stood in heaven is giving, even the throne of God is giving honor to God. I love this picture of, of standing and sitting. Uh, if you want to go look at a really neat thing in Acts chapter 7, um, Stephen, he was one of the first martyrs, right? He was the first person to lose, not the first but maybe, but one of the first to lose his life for the cause of Christ and for the gospel. And it says, and as he lifted up his eyes into heaven, he looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus standing. I love this. Jesus standing this is Jesus who gave his life on the cross. He died. He, he sacrificed his life so that we could be made right with him, so that we could be redeemed. And here we have this picture of Jesus who was seated on the right hand of the Father after three days, and he was resurrected. Now he's seated. He's worthy of all honor. But because of Stephen, because of his sacrifice, because he gave his life willingly for the cause of Christ, Jesus rose and honored him. Don't miss these words, you guys. They're important. The other thing we want to see here is he had the appearance of Jasper. Anybody know what Jasper is? The friendly ghost? No, it's not the friendly ghost. That's a different one. That's a different guy. So uh, Revelation chapter 21 talks about a clear stone that gleams with white light. Probably the closest we can think of it is diamonds. You know, it's this beautiful stone, this clear stone that gleams when, it's, when light shines upon it. And that's, that's the picture of God as he has the appearance of, of Jasper, this clear, bright, white stone. And, and then and Carnelian, a red stone that looks like blood, looks like crimson. I can't help but think that there's some sort of symbology there. And probably the closest we can think of to the color of Carnelian is something like a ruby. You know, this brightly uh, crimson red and it goes on to say, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Can you imagine a rainbow of greens that surrounded the throne? I'm struggling. But this is what we have the call to do this morning, is to focus and to think and to picture in our mind. 
He goes on to say, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. You know what this is? This is a display of God's mighty power. Just by the fact that he is seated on his throne, and from this throne emanates lightning and thunder and peals of thunder. It's a display of God's power. I remember a few years ago, um, uh, Micah, my oldest boy, um, one of the things we loved to do is when it would rain is we'd go outside and play. I mean, I grew up, that's what happens when it rains. You go outside and play, you know? And so we would go outside and play and play in the rain, drive our cars in the, in the gutter and make the big, you know, rooster tail. You guys with me on that? Yeah? Okay. Nobody played in the rain? So uh, it was an amazing time with my little boy, you know, it was so much fun. And, and I remember, but, you know, of course, when it starts to rain harder and lightning and thunder starts coming, we, you know, we don't play in the lightning, you know, it's, mommy's watching so you know so we uh so we come inside and and, we, and what we did is we came up and just sat on the porch and i remember it just got worse and worse and it was raining harder and harder and thunder and lightning struck somewhere close i couldn't see it but it was so loud have you guys ever been close to a lightning strike when it's i mean it sounds like you can't even imagine how loud it is and of course it scared scared me but it scared micah half to death you know he jumped up and i I grabbed him and I hugged him. I said, it's okay, baby. And he said, what was that? You know, and I said, it's just thunder and lightning. And I said, it's okay. It's God. It's God. He is displaying his power and his mighty nature to us. He's putting on a show for us. And so we kind of sat there for a few minutes longer as we just uh, watched the, the rain and the lightning and the thunder and another strike hit. And, and, and I remember Micah saying, you go, God, you know. <laughs> I mean, just in awe of who God is and His power and His might. This is the God that He saw. And then finally, He says, And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire. And here is the Holy Spirit. And you can't normally see the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit of God is a spirit. He lives within us, you know? And yet, there are times in Scripture where the Spirit of God is revealed to us in a very visible way. There are several times in Scripture, one of the times that we can think about is on the day that, that Jesus was baptized, right? He says, and as he was coming up out of the water, the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. Very good. This is amazing picture. Actually, amazing picture of the Trinity. It's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit all right there in one. Another place where God revealed himself and the Spirit revealed himself in a very visible way is on the day of Pentecost. You know, the disciples, they received the gift of God and the Spirit of God, and they received boldness and power to preach the gospel message. And it says the Spirit of God descended upon them like fire, like fire, like tongues of fire. And then, of course, we look at this passage and we see that the Holy Spirit is a series of seven perfect fires don't get that that the seven is a number of perfection in scripture and so i love just this description this is john doing his best to describe to us the sovereign savior his sovereign lord that he sees upon the throne he looks like jasper he looks like carnelian it's thunder and lightning and it's all of these things and he stands in awe of it all the second thing i want you guys to see as we focus our perspective on, a he on heaven. The second thing I want you guys to see here is the presence of the redeemed. In verse 4 it says, Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with gold crowns on their heads. You guys understand, the fact that I can even say the presence 
of the redeemed are in heaven is profound. The fact, because here's these 24 elders, sometimes we ask the question, who are these 24 elders? And here's what they are. They are representatives of all of mankind. They are, they're us. They're men, women maybe, just like us. And here's the most amazing thing about this is these men and they, these people, they have been elevated and they have been seated in 24 thrones around the very throne of God. They have a front row seat to who God is each and every day. Can you imagine the fact that we, just like they, just like we can be in the presence, in the very presence of God, the fact that I can say the presence of the redeemed in heaven is a profound thing because that means there's hope for us. There is a way for us that we can be like them. And the reality is we don't have to wait. And I love the further description it gives of these, uh, of these redeemed uh, clothed in white garments, right? Revelation uh, chapter 3 describes the church of Laodicea. He says, come and, and take from me garments of white, garments of purity. Of course, these garments represent God's purity. And they, he says, I know who you are and how you are. He says, but I want to give to you gar garments of white clothing to make you pure, to make you clean. And I'll, I, maybe a better picture for some of us is Ephesians chapter 5 discuss, this, describes the husband presenting the wife in pure white garments washed by the water of the word you can't miss this and then it goes on to say with golden crowns on their head you know in scripture there's two main types of crowns right there, there's actually five or six different but the two main types that i'm referring to the first type is when you put a crown on somebody's head what does it make them a king right I mean, the, the first type of crown that most everybody thinks about is, a, is the crown of a king, you know? But there's another type of crown that was often given, especially in the days of the Roman Empire, when the uh, Olympics and things like that would go on and, and great battles, or maybe there was uh, things like uh, uh, great races and things like that. When you would win the race, you would get the olive branch, this golden olive branch placed on your head, and it was a crown. And that's exactly the word that's used here to describe. These men are not elevated as kings, they're elevated as victors. They're lifted up. They're placed on the throne by Christ as champions, of, as ones who have overcome. That's exactly what Revelation chapter 3, when Jesus is speaking to the churches, he says, to the one who has overcome, I will present a crown of victory. That's what these men and these women, that's what they're doing in the presence of God. Another thing I want you guys to see here is the praise of the angels. It says, And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal, and around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes, in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I love this. It says the four living creatures. Why did he say living? Why do you think he said living creatures? I don't know exactly why he said it, but this is what I think. I, I, think that, I think it was a reminder from John to us that this is not a figment 
of his imagination. John is not seeing some symbolic thing. John is seeing creatures created by God, these magnificent creatures that he goes on, he struggles to describe what they look like. But he, these are not figments of his imagination. These are living creations of God, and they have a sole purpose, and that purpose is to worship God. And he describes one as a lion, an ox, an eagle, and a man, or at least the face of these things, right? And it's funny because people ask all the time, so what does that mean? Like, well, I think they're symbols, symbols of power, right? I mean, the lion is the king of the jungle, right? He's the king of all the wild animals. The ox, at least back in those days, would have been the strongest of all the domesticated animals. Many people hailed the oxes as the king of all domesticated animals. The, the eagle, of course, the most powerful of all the birds. And then a face like a man. That God has given us dominion over this earth. God has given us a place and a purpose to serve. And so these creatures, and, and I love this, it points it out twice that they are covered on the front and in the back and inside and outside with eyes. You know what this is talking about? It's talking about their amazing power, that they have the ability to see so much more than we can see. You know, our two eyes, we talk about mamas have eyes in the back of their head, right? Because they can see their kids doing crazy things, you know? And so mamas might have eyes in the back of their head, but these angelic creatures had eyes all over, inside and outside, front and back. They were covered. They were powerful creatures that could see far beyond what we could see. And the most amazing thing about this is, I think about this, is if these creatures were to show up here in this uh, sanctuary this morning, we would pro most of us would probably flee in terror because of the power and the majesty and the marvelous nature of these creatures. And as powerful as these creatures are, they have one purpose and they live it out very well. It goes on to say, it says, and day and night they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. You know, I think about this passage. This is one of those passages that really gets me um, because I, I hear this statement sometimes. You know, I hear people say this uh, about us as a church. Yeah, that's that rock and roll church and that contemporary church. And I just, I just really can't get behind. They just so, it's just so repetitive. I just sing the same thing over and over again. And I used to be that guy. I used to be the guy that was like, this is so repetitive, and this is so, like, why do we just sing the same thing over and over and over again? And one day, God got a hold of my heart, and he, in a very loving and painful way, he showed me, listen, son, worship is something that comes from your heart. It comes as an overflow of the Spirit of God filling you up. If you're struggling to worship, that's not on me, that's on you. The Spirit of God doesn't care, and it doesn't matter what songs we're singing, what style we're singing them, if we have instruments or if we don't have instruments. None of that matters. The Spirit in the heart of worship comes from within us. It comes as an overflow of God's filling presence. Can I get an amen? Thank you. And here's the thing, you guys. A couple of weeks ago, I went and worshiped with my parents. My dad, he lives in Tennessee. He's a pastor of a small church. I think it's about 85 members, something like that, you know. Our life group has 85 people in it, you know. 
And, you know, and, and it was one of those things where before I went into the service, I knew it was going to be a little smaller service. I know it was going to be a little different in terms of the style of worship and all that sort of stuff. And I, had, and I was reminded by the Spirit of God that, Michael, you can come in here and worship God just as powerfully and just as strong as you do in this place, as you do with your faith family each and every Sunday. You don't have to miss your faith family. You can worship with them in the presence of God right here today. And that's exactly what I did. The second thing I would say about that worship in heaven, and you can see it right here in Scripture, is the same refrain over and over and over again. And it has been the same refrain for I don't know how, how long, how many eons. These creatures have been crying out, Worthy is the Lamb. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And for all of eternity going forward, that's what they're going to be singing. And so I just say, if you really don't like contemporary worship and the repetitive nature of you don't like it here, I can promise you, you're going to hate it in heaven because that's all they're doing day in and day out. It kind of dispels the myth that sometimes we have of heaven is, oh, we're just going to be riding around, walking around on streets of gold, little golden golf, golf carts and playing, you know, in a big, big house with lots and lots of room and, you know, a big, big table with lots and lots of food. But that's not the picture of heaven that's painted here, is it? It's a picture of perpetual worship of all of God's creation, worshiping Him. So we come to the important point in the message where I have to ask this very important question, you guys. Anybody want to guess what it is? So what? That's right. If you're visiting with me for, uh, with us for the first time, we, I, I, if I, if I have to ask myself this question when I read God's Word and when I study God's Word and when I bring, here's the thing, if I do it for me, I'm going to do it for you, you know? I, I just feel like if God's going to spank my tail about something, then I'm going to let him spank your tail for a minute. But I have to ask myself that question. So What? So we can see this, the sovereign nature of God. So it's spelled out here in Scripture. So that we can see the presence of the redeemed in heaven. So that we can see the praise of the angels in heaven. So what? What does that mean for me? I have to ask myself, self, what does that mean? How do I take this and, and apply this to my life in a way that, that changes the way that I live? I can hear the Word of God and not just be hearer, but be a doer of the Word of God. And I think the answer is revealed in the rest of the passage if we just read verses 9 through the end of the chapter, chapter 4. We don't just see the praises of the angels, but we see the praise of the redeemed. It says, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, it says the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. I love this. The angels are praising God in heaven and in response to the angels praising God in heaven, the saints of God, they respond and they worship God in heaven and the song for the angels is 
holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the song for the saints is, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. And it's this chorus that goes back and forth, day and night, without end. And I love this. It says, the 24 elders fall down. How many of them? All of them. All 24. And they fall down. What do they fall down from? They fall down from their throne. And they worship their Creator. And their message is this. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and this is key, and by your will they exist and were created. You know what, you know what, the, what these 24 elders and what all of heaven and all of earth is crying out to God, a holy God in heaven, right now, I might add, he's crying, they're, they're saying, they're crying out to God, they're saying, we are still desperate for you, God. We are still in need of you, God. Even though you have elevated us to the highest place in heaven, you have elevated us to the, one of the 24 thrones in the very throne room of God, we still need you because we know that you created us and our very existence to this moment is because of you and because of your Son. They have a heavenly perspective. And here's the thing. Those people are just people, just like me and you. There's nothing really any different about them than there is about us. And here's the most amazing thing is we don't have to wait until we're there to worship God with everything that we have, to have a heavenly perspective, to hold on to God. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I praise God daily. Quite often I say to myself, God, thank you for blessing me, for saving me, for, for changing me, for sanctifying me, for for moving me towards glorification. Thank you for, for blessing me with a wife and children and a, and a ministry and a place of service and a purpose. And God, I can't thank you enough for all these things. And God, you have given me a seat at the table. The fact that I am in the, uh, the, the presence of God as a redeemed person alone should blow us away. The fact that we have the privilege of coming before God. The fact that this is not a special privilege just for those 24 elders, but it's for all of us. We don't have to wait. We can do it now. That's the so what. The best way for us to do that is to think about who God is. To think about the heaven that He created. The purpose of that heaven. The purpose for those that are in heaven currently is to worship God forever. The purpose for that heaven here for us is for us to look forward expectantly to that. To keep our eyes focused on that. Not on the things of this world. It's okay to plan for retirement, but not above planning and investing in eternity. It's okay to make plans for your children. It's okay to care about what schools they go to and what kind of job you have, but not above God's eternal investment in you. That is where we have to keep our eyes focused. So in just a minute, we're going to pray. And we're going to worship God one more time. 
as a faith family this morning. But before we pray, I want everybody in this room, if you will, if you'll just close your eyes. And I want you to consider for just a moment the God that we're about to pray to. It's the very same God that we just read about this morning. A God who is seated in honor upon the throne that is emanating lightning and thunder that displays His power. He's seated in the very center of heaven. And he is a glowing with a gleaming white and a crimson light. And around His throne are 24 more thrones with people that represent all of mankind, the people that represent me and you. And around this throne is an emerald rainbow that glows and captures in its light four unimaginably powerful creatures who despite their power because of their power they use it to worship their creator and their master perpetually for all of eternity forever and ever and all of mankind that has passed on Gene Rogers your aunts and your uncles and your mothers and your fathers and your sons and your brothers. Their eyes are turned towards a righteous and a holy God. Their focus is on Him. And they join in this worship day and night forever and ever. That is the God that we're going to pray to in just one moment. We get to be a part of that celebration this morning. We don't have to wait. We can worship God with everything that we have. And so let's do just that.